guys, welcome to Ranking the Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever, and this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? My world has been turned upside down. Why? How and why? Because I learned that the man who played Michael Hertz in all of the trauma movies is not actually the film producer, Michael Hertz. Wait, what? The guy that gets eaten by the escalator in Terror Firmer? Yes, the uh, man who is... Okay, now I Google is shit the bed and hasn't done it. So, um, the Michael Hertz, the... Oh, fuck. I'm, I can't pull it up now. No, that's all right. Okay, so the actor that plays Michael Hertz is Joe Fleischucker. Wait, so that guy's name is not actually Michael Hertz, and that's not actually the producer? Right, so Lloyd Kaufman's trauma co-producer, Michael Hertz, stays off-camera, and the joke is he looks nothing like Joe Fleischer, and Joe Fleischer just plays like Michael oh, Hertz. Like, shit. lol, you're Michael Hertz. Also, Joe Fleischer died in 2016 at age 62. Oh, fuck. You know what? 62's not bad. Not bad. He did have uh, very poor health. Yeah, um, that's, although he, I feel like if you work for Troma, you have poor health necessarily, because, <laughs> my dude, you're eating cheese sandwiches, like, you're, this is, if, if you, if you work for Troma, I want to speak to your doctor and just like, yeah, apparently your blood is just hot pocket filling, and it's got the thickness <laughs> of just, like, pudding, and you will die at age 20. Yeah, so, so that, so nothing means anything anymore, because... Oh. The man I thought was one man is another <laughs> separate man. Nothing means nothing, mean Gene. Although that means that. All right. So this is my question: Is Lloyd Kaufman actually Lloyd Kaufman? How do oh, you shit. know that Lloyd Kaufman is truly the Lloyd Kaufman? So I here's my so here's my theory. Here's what it is: the guy that you see out and about doing events as Lloyd Kaufman, the uh, the spud faced pervert that we can all picture. Like he looks like a gnome. Like he looks like he fixes up shoes in the night. Um, I, what if, I, my theory is Lloyd Kaufman is actually a, uh, sodden Toxic Avenger t-shirt that was cursed by a wizard with breath and sentience, and this is, like, and the, the Lloyd Kaufman that we know, the, the meat sleeve that is Lloyd Kaufman, that's just, like, his avatar, um, broadcast out into the world. Like, this is what the dreaming sodden t-shirt sees himself as, and so we all see him as that. Man, this is getting weird. <laughs> and, so also Michael your week and also Michael Hertz is not Michael Hertz. My, my week has been good. Uh, I got back from Colorado. Uh, obviously, uh, the last episode, um, I was in Colorado when we did that episode. And I've realized the, the, the fullest body high I think uh, that is possible is to watch The Thing with somebody who has never seen The Thing before. It... It's beautiful. Like, like watching somebody responding to John Carpenter's The Thing in real time, I just honestly want to go around the world with a Blu-ray of The Thing and watch people watching The Thing for the first time. Um, it, it's, yeah, I don't know, like, it, it, it warms my heart that those effects and those plot beats and that ending are still as effective now in 2019 as they were in 1982. Yeah, it's wild. It's also wild that they made a sequel prequel remake thing. A pre-sequel, which I 
I it broke my heart to tell them about that because immediately it's was like a wait turd? well because it's yeah because it's a it's a it's a turd in a shoebox and i had to like explain to um the people who had never seen it before like because like oh wait the thing wasn't that a 2011 movie and i was like eee. and you know i explained that like well yeah it's so it was the prequel of what happened at the norwegian base before the events of the thing but the problem is that uh, it's very bad. And, like, we all love Mary Elizabeth Winstead, but the effects, like, the fact that the director was like, mm, what if I just cut out all of the practical effects and went back and did everything with CG? Because I'm a, I'm a terrible human being. Right, because I've never seen the original film. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hmm, what made the original The Thing work? Definitely wasn't the groundbreaking special effects. Let's just, eh, let's just do it in CG and make it all look like the snake demon from season three of Buffy. Okay, so... What made the original The Thing work is practical effects. Yeah. Can you explain to me what made The Conjuring work and make it so beloved amongst so many horror fans? Because we watched The Nun this week, which (laughs) is my first Conjuring movie ever. No shit. And I don't get this franchise. So maybe you can help me by explaining why this is such a jug a horror juggernaut Oof. so so wait let me uh, so to clarify uh 2018's the nun is your first foray into the conjuring universe yes hachi machi so that <laughs> that's like your first alkaline trio record being agony and irony <laughs> yeah that's it's not it's not it's, a good look it's bad boss i it's uh, so uh the conjuring uh here's you know what's better than any of the Conjuring movies is the trailer for the first Conjuring movie. Like, it might be one of my favorite trailers of all time, and the problem with it... So, so here's... Have you seen the trailer for The Conjuring? Um, no. I've seen the trailer for The Nun, which, let me tell you, <laughs> is better than the film The Nun. Holy shit, this movie. Um, Alright, so uh, you should uh, look up the trailer for the first Conjuring movie. Uh, it's one of the most effective trailers I've ever seen in my life, which is like, it uh, is this family, it's super 70s, they've come to this house, and they, you know, and it's the mom and the kids playing the, like, game where you blindfold yourself, and then you search around the house, and then you have them clap once, like, clap twice to, to, see, to see if you can figure out where they are hiding uh, just based on the sound. And these hands come out of the wardrobe during the thing and clap and go back in. And then it's like, wait, there was no one in there. And then later on, like, this, the mom uh, ends up in the basement with a single lit match shaking. The score cuts off, and it's doing a slow close-up on her. And then hands come out of the darkness behind her, clap twice, and then goes to the logo for The Conjuring. And it's one of the most sphincter-clenchingly effective trailers I've ever had the pleasure to see. The problem with it is, the movie The Conjuring will never match up to how cool that trailer is. Now, I also know about The Warrens. I want to clarify (laughs) that I am, as a, you know, ghoul... I know about the Warrens. I just haven't seen oh, any sure. of these movies yet. You know what it is? I like the first Conjuring movie because I like Ron Livingston, who was the guy who was in Office Space and Band of Brothers. Like he's he he gives good put upon every man. Like you just see that lo- that hangdog face, and you're like, buddy. I you know, there's kind of a poltergeist thing with the first Conjuring where you're like, I want this family to be okay. The problem is that it's not that good. Hold on, take your ball. Um, the Warrens are straight up frauds. We should get that out of the way. 
Um, <laughs> I think it's that Vera Farmiga is so Lampers. good and stuff that it makes us forget that the Warrens were just genuine uh, woo-woo fraudsters uh, bilking people out of money. So, the Warrens are flimflamers. Hey, do you remember Scooby-Doo's um, nephew Scrappy and how they hang, hung out with a kid whose nickname was Flimflam? <laughs> I do remember Flim Flam. Why did, uh, granted, we're talking Shaggy, Scooby, and Scrappy, but why sure. would that human child allow them to call him Flim Flam? That's, I think that's a name for parents who hate children. Like Also, that's... Shaggy is the responsible adult in that situation. <laughs> Which is, yeah, when uh, your character was iconically played by Matthew Lillard, there, there's, a, <laughs> there's a real problem, I think. Uh, and, like, the Warrens, so for those of our uh, listeners who may not have seen The Conjuring and might not know who the Warrens are, Ed and Lorraine Warren are uh, famous uh, paranormal experts, and their thing is, you know... Parapsychologists. Sort of tra- parapsychologists, thank you. And they, uh, their thing is traveling around, sort of like the Partridge family, but for ghosts. And they stop in at all these places, and they have wacky ghost adventures, and they, like, talk to the dead and play with Ouija boards and whatever the fuck. Um, and The Conjuring movies... Which now features what? Two conjurings, two Annabelles, and now the nun? I think you're right. There's probably I think there's more coming. Oh, God save us all. So at, at, at least five conjuring movies in this universe that we know of. And so this movie starts with a character who was seen for two minutes in the movie The Conjuring Two, which is a scary nun. It's a scary nun. So so it's just she's a ghost in the background? Yeah, she's, um, it's sort of, uh, if The Conjuring 2 is like a haunted house, she's like a foam latex monster that dropped down from the ceiling for a bit before you went on to the next part. So they're um, like, let's give her a whole movie and backstory. A whole ass movie and backstory. And the, so the nun starts with uh, nuns hanging out at a convent. And one of them gets possessed by a a haint or a a goofster. And then another nun, um, oh God, what is it? They, uh, they commit suicide. I, to be honest, I watched this movie. It was (laughs) on for the full runtime, but I can only recall like three or four things about it. Oh, for sure. I remember nothing about this movie. So, um, basically, all right. So, you know what, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do an impressionistic version of what the movie The Nun was like. So it opens with these nuns hanging out and then one of them gets hijacked by a goon and it's an evil goon, and then one of them dies, and then the other one... Don't forget it's behind a door that says, <laughs> God ends here. God ends here, which, by the way, I need that placard for my desk. It's like um, the sublet closet that Satan <laughs> it's not, which I love it because it's not even like there is no God, or it's not like, blah, I'm evil and don't like God. It's just like, hey, uh, if you're God and you're reading this, um, you you are legally barred from entering this this room. So just it's, it's the swiper no swiping of <laughs> Satanism. Oh man. Um and so one of the all right, now this movie does a thing that drives me crazy. And I hadn't realized that this was a, a, a particular uh, bugaboo for me until I was talking with uh, Christina and Sarah about it, which is I hate it when there is a movie or a show featuring a Catholic character who preemptively asks for forgiveness for a thing. That's not a thing Catholics do. 
<laughs> like, this movie plays really fast and loose with Catholicism which actually, in general. I, which I love actually about The Nun, because it's obvious that nobody involved in the making of this fucking motion picture has ever met a Catholic in their life. Um, and I like it, that someone in a boardroom said, what if the church was on top of a gateway to hell and just devil nuns took over a church and they're Dude. like take my money and make it you know what the people going out to see the nun on a friday night are fucking fine with that if it's just like hey guys we built this convent over the devil's asshole and now all the nuns are evil nuns and they're gonna kill you with nun powers like I, that's and fine to and be I'm good fair, the movie works when it's just devils popping out of cra <laughs> literal cracks in the ground and being creepy. Yeah, the, and... The part of the movie that's plot, that's what doesn't work. Uh, what? I mean, the thing is, what plot? Like, okay, so I know that Taisa Farmiga, who was in season one of American Horror Story... Um, and um, season three, I think. Oh, and season two, actually. Uh, in, in the... Or wait, was she in season two? Anyway, uh, she plays the daughter in the murder house, and then in season three, she plays a witch. Uh, and in this, she plays a young nun who is certainly a nun? Or, like, is she a nun in training? Is she, like, the Harry Potter nun? So, like, you gotta show you're serious, and I don't think she's earned her nun stripes yet. <laughs> so, so she like, nun in training. So she's, like, she's got a green habit at this point. Like, she's, you know what it is? This is, like, Top Gun, and she's the, the hotshot new nun at the Academy, and... You know, she plays it pretty fast and loose with the rules, but she gets things done. And so, then the Mother Superior is like, damn it, you're good, Taisa Farmiga. Maybe too good. <laughs> and they, you know, desperate measures are called for once um, an evil Russian demon starts spreading communism in the convent. Yeah, pretty much. And then yeah. you go, there's all this with Russia and like some random <laughs> hot dudes that are like... I'm gonna beat the nun, and they're in the woods for what feels like fucking forever. Oh, God, the, the woods scene. I don't... All right, now there's a thing this movie does that I don't know if this is just me being fucking persnickety, but I feel like in horror right now, there's a thing people love doing, especially if you're like a sort of first or second time director who's maybe done like one or two things, and you've just been given like, hey, you're doing the new spinoff in the Conjuring universe, direct the nun. And you're like, okay, I need to show that I'm a serious filmmaker, so I'm going to do two things. I'm going to do very slow zooms on people, and I'm going to cut the soundtrack off to build tension. And that's how you make a good horror movie. And the problem is that that doesn't work if you don't have a plot or actual tension or characters I care about. Yeah, I cannot tell you any character's name. There's the priest, the other guy, the <laughs> other other guy, and the nun, and then the, the capital T, capital N nun. Yeah, and then the nun, who is, like, the devil nun, who, I, it's a, it's a demon certainly named, like, I keep wanting to call them Derek, and the demon's like name Volok is not, or something like that. The demon's name is not Derek. <laughs> it's not Derek the demon, who's coming in to ask you if you want to watch Family Guy. Uh, and, now, alright, so while watching the nun, I, I, I think I came up with, um, a po potential genre name for this kind of a movie. Uh, karaoke horror. Like, it's like how Chris Pratt is like a karaoke movie star, 
where he's doing an impersonation of what he thinks an actor might do. And the nun, I feel like, largely does that, where it's like, this was made by somebody who doesn't really care about, care, like, care for horror and hasn't really watched a lot of horror, but it's like, oh, no, here's what it is. It's like watching a kid miming doing a guitar solo on an actual guitar after he's just watched a shitload of music videos and, like, he's aping the finger patterns, and he's like, I'm pretty sure I know how to play guitar. Yeah, this is, um, or, or it's like any time I play the ukulele. Fun fact, you don't have to learn how to play the ukulele to sound mildly competent at the ukulele. (laughs) So is it that, like, anybody can sort of play it, but if you want to be, like, a real ukulele virtuoso, you gotta put that nose to the grindstone and and watch a lot of YouTube videos of white teenage girls. I mean, yeah, you just strum and you do, like, general power chord progressions and you do it fast enough, it sounds like real music. You know, Carrie King from Slayer has largely a similar approach to playing the guitar, (laughs) is that if you just play it fast enough, it'll fool people into thinking. You know, honestly, Carrie King and Slayer did wonders for my imposter syndrome, because, like, look, that guy is looked at as a guitar god and he cannot play guitar. (laughs) <laughs> like, every one of his guitar solos sounds like a cat being beaten to death against a wall. And anyway, so The Nun, right? Uh, which is a lot like Slayer. So karaoke horror, where it's like doing an impersonation of a horror movie, but it's like, it doesn't understand plot beats or atmosphere or any of those things, but it knows like, okay, I'm pretty sure I know how horror movies work. You get a creepy nun, you get some yelling, um an opening scene that's basically a trailer for the movie? Yeah, it's a trailer for the movie. It's a flashback to tell you this is a sequel to another movie. (laughs) And the end of the movie is like, now here's the part of the movie that it's a reference to, and it's also a movie that that exists. It's... it's just set pieces. It's yeah. it would be cool if we did this. It would be cool if we bury a guy alive. It would be cool if a nun falls on a guy and tries <laughs> to eat him. It would be cool if True. they split if they spit blood on a nun. Yeah, which I love. Now, all right, that's one bit of this thing that I really enjoyed, which is that the climax of the film happens when Taisa Farmiga has a mouthful of the literal blood of Jesus of Nazareth. And then just yeets it into the face of the evil nun, like the great Muda spitting the poison mist. Just like, (laughs) and like melts off the fucking nun's face with, and I cannot stress this enough, the actual blood of literal ass Jesus Christ. Um, That ruled, but everything else in this movie is very bad. So what's better, a karaoke horror movie or a horror movie about karaoke, such as Primica at number 323? Oh, you clever bastard. Yes, yes. All right. So karaoke horror or horror movies about karaoke. Now, with the exception of the shitty transphobic joke in Primica, it's infinitely more watchable than The Nun. I honestly, and I don't know if it's... All right, here's my question. Are we becoming more discerning about the horror we watch, or is it just that this movie is like a mouthful of soggy hamburger bread? It's nothing. It's just... Yeah. There's no substance to it. it there's is nothing like, there. Yeah. It's not even like a really good popcorn movie because it doesn't hold my attention. Cardinal Sin, it's boring. Absolutely right. And, I mean, speaking of popcorn horror, this was made by technically people who were responsible for one of my favorite popcorn horror movies, which is Dead Silence. 
Yeah. Like. Oh my god, that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. we, cl- we closed the window because I just realized, like, oh no, I'm I'm talking really loud and we've got neighbors, so they've got me fucking screaming about Dead Silence. But damn it, the neighbors need to hear about Dead Silence because that movie rules. <laughs> that movie is like the opposite of The Nun in that it's like, all right, it's got all of the parts that this movie has, but actually has any amount of joy in any of it. Where it's yeah. like, we need evil ventriloquist dummies and a scary old lady that rips out tongues and a cool theme tune. I, I mean, I watched every bit of the movie The Nun and could not tell you anything about the plot except for eh, nuns? Nuns are scary. So what's worse? What What's the worst movie of 2018? Is it The Predator? Or is it The Nun? Oh, man. You know what it is? I can't even believe I'm going to say this. The Predator has the kernel of a good movie buried in it. Like, you can see how with a few more passes on the script, take out a bunch of the ableist bullshit about people who are out like people on the spectrum, take out a bunch of the useless, stupid, meandering plot, and there's, like, the sparkling of a decent... It's like a it's like a ring, it's like a gold ring at the bottom of a septic tank is the good bits of the predator where this is just an endless gray expanse of bad CG. Yeah, except it is better than E-Demon because like E-Demon, it played for its full runtime, but between my cell phone and me just like screaming at the back of my eyelids, I cannot tell you what happened. <laughs> Absolutely not. I and, and also the fact that it's like bookended with the Warrens being like that sure was a fucking creepy nun, and that's all you get. Like I, it's honestly the first three minutes of the movie. I was looking for the skip intro button for like yeah no I've seen The Conjuring. Give me a movie. I this is ugh. although here's you know it's better than the nun though. Um, uh, Christina, two of her babies on the bus, she heard them babbling excitedly about The Nun, and one of them said to the other, yeah, the original trailer for The Nun was so scary that they had to they had to, they had to get rid of it and do a less scary one, because people were too afraid of it. And that's my favorite thing in the world. It's just like, I'm just picturing, like, lovely. I'm just picturing, like, the head of Blumhouse just being like, no, it's too scary, and just, like, pounding his fist on the desk, like, damn it, my grandchildren were watching that. Um... <laughs> It just like this is the world I want to live in, but yeah. So E Demon, yeah, at least E Demon. I feel like both of them are necessarily ripping off better movies. No, I I wonder if this was an original script and they shoehorned it in. Mm. So they might have done like a Hellraiser sequel on this, where it was just like, whatever. We got a movie about scary nuns in a convent. Maybe the original title was like Bad Habit or something. Yeah, yeah. And then they were like, Sister Act 3, (laughs) Whoopi Goes to Hell. Let's talk about the the tape box. Let's talk about the alternate timeline where that movie was made, and (laughs) that's the tape that traumatized a generation of children. Holy fuck. Whoopi Goldberg with a, a. dick-shaped worm eating through her face. Holy shit. All right, now here's... All right, the worm coming out of the mouth was kind of dope, like, because it looked like, um, you know those big, sticky, gross, unsanitary hands you would get out of vending machines when you were a kid? Yes. Uh, We called them booger hands. Booger hands, thank you. Um, Yeah, they were like... (sighs) 
All right. Which might be the most Tennessee thing I've said this week. <laughs> booger hands. I, the thing is, it purely for the booger hands, I'm going to give the nun the edge over E-Demon. E-Demon was less than nothing, and this is just nothing. So I think we're just grading on a curve. <laughs> All right. So that puts the nun at our new number 339. <sighs> Ryan, Man. what's our total right now? Right now, we have ranked 348 movies. By the My end of God. this episode, we will have ranked 350 movies, probably. Oh, no. Oh, it does uh, not feel good. Oh, feel, it feel, feels, feels bad. Uh, I, it's... As I look at the bottom of this list, I feel like I keep like having flashbacks to like, you know what? As bad as the nun was, at least it's not as bad as Hellraiser Revelations. <laughs> like it's, god damn it. It, it, it! at least it's shiny and streamlined and yeah, you good. didn't have to watch someone pour battery acid into a woman's mouth. You know, and I am those. These are the precious moments of our lives. Is not having to watch somebody gargle battery acid. Or uh, a fat Michael Myers have a heart attack. Uh, all right, here's the thing. I know that we have uh, uh, the last Halloween parentheses, The Death of Michael Myers, which is a fan film that's technically considered canon by some people, for whatever the fuck reason. Like, old Michael Myers just having a fucking heart attack and dying is actually really, really funny, and I don't think it knows that. <laughs> it doesn't. He's just it's played, and there and the annotations, which that's extra textual. But the director's annotations on YouTube are even better, <laughs> where he's like, "Stop commenting about the random killer. I don't know who he is." <laughs> God fucking bless. I honestly, there are fan films on YouTube. There are a couple of them that are actually not that bad. Um, there's a, a sort of fan-made uh, Nightmare on Elm Street prequel thing where it's like uh, Freddy Krueger being uh, questioned by the Springwood PD, and it's like a guy that you can tell is like doing his best Robert Englund, and it's like, you know what? God fucking bless. Like, if you have a camera and a bunch of friends and you're all really into a movie, make an embarrassing fan film. It's a blessed thing to do. Um, another blessed thing to do, so the other, all right, so Nunsploitation, the next movie we're doing... And I realized, because we were talking about on this episode, like, what are the movies we want to do? And we realized we don't have a lot of non-sploitation movies on our list. A lot of exploitations we have. Now, we have black exploitation. We have... Um, Ozploitation. Ozploitation. Redneck-sploitation. What is non-sploitation, Ryan? So, non-sploitation as a genre, and I can't even fucking believe I'm about to give the Wikipedia synopsis for <laughs> non-sploitation, but this is the life we've chosen for ourselves. Um, non-sploitation is a genre of grindhouse movie from the... I think it was largely popular during the 70s and early 80s, and non-sploitation is basically, hey, what if we had horror movies and sleaze movies about nuns doing sex on the people... And so it's horny on Maine. And, it's just like someone's kink. Yeah, it's like someone's. It, it's it's being horny on Maine. It's like either nuns killing people or nuns getting killed. Anyway, it's just generally people are getting killed and nuns are in the mix somewhere. And technically, honestly, human beings we deserve to be scraped off the face of the goddamn earth and thrown into space for the fact that there is a sh- subgenre of movie that we can all agree is called. Oh, that's a nun exploitation movie. <laughs> um, God, we're terrible. But so is really... Sister Act nunsploitation. 
I'm gonna go ahead and say that Sister Act is not an unsploitation because nobody dies in that. Well, what about Sister Act Two? Oh, Sister Act Two is back in the habit. Back in the habit. No, that's definitely an unsploitation. Um, so the the, the second <laughs> non-sploitation movie we're doing is called, and I'm so excited to say this, Killer Nun. Now, Ryan, what happens in this movie? <laughs> All right, what happens in the movie Killer Nun? So it's from 1971. Killer Nun, 1971. That's easy. Um, the movie revolves around a nun who has a brain tumor, and because of this brain tumor that you find out at the beginning of the movie she has, she uh, sort of slides down the sanity uh, ladder a little bit and just starts sort of killing people. Or, All right, so... I'm gonna so try her to... morality is a game of shoots and ladders, you're saying? Yes. Um, basically, it starts with uh, this nun who sort of, you could tell that something bad has happened to her, that she's had some really shitty experience, and then she sort of uh, is doing confession at the beginning of the movie. Which, now, this is an Italian movie, so it's this isn't a giallo film, but it's like giallo-adjacent, adjacent, I guess. Um, it... You can tell that it's it's following a lot of the same beats as a lot of Jalo. It, it the ADR in this is very bad, and I love it, which is also a thing I love about a lot of Italian horror is that it just the voices don't look like they fit over the the mumbly mouths. Um, and the nun in this sort of uh, engages in behavior that ranges from casual sex with a stranger to attempting to murder a group of senior citizens with exercise. <laughs> okay, you must elaborate upon that. Oh, yeah, no, it's literally, she's in charge of a bunch of seniors uh, at the, the, the rec center or wherever the fuck, and she's just like, more jumping jacks! And like, <laughs> she is, and immediately I'm like, Because this will kill these old fucks. So she's trying to exercise? No, no. Them? I'm so sorry, I'm so, so sorry. Uh, and it's, yeah, it is buck wild like she uh, has a lesbian affair. like so at the convent she shares a room with uh, a, a hot young nun and they eventually fuck and now i'm not gonna look too far into what killer nun is attempting to say about mental illness or medical issues involving the brain and lesbians and drugs and murder like this movie i don't know that it actually has any politics aside from well, uh, it's Italy, and it's the early 1970s. We are all huffing fucking paint fumes, and we're coming down off of, like, Vatican II being a thing, and we're just going to make a movie called fucking Killer Nun. I uh, also love that critics of Italian cinema have discussed how in Italy, talking during the movie is was more socially acceptable, so directors actually made these insane movies to get people to shut the fuck up and watch the movie. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Like that's because that's, instead of walking around the theater greeting your friends and neighbors, you actually need to stop talking and stop making out and watch <laughs> the damn movie. Yeah, which honestly helps with Jalo. That like uh, when you want, sort of wonder why are Jalo films so fucking wild? And it's like, yeah, no, they were just trying to get uh, horny, greasy teens to sh fucking shut up and pay attention. Uh, and non-sploitation, this was um, one of many video nasties that were banned in the UK in the 70s and 80s. Um, and the idea, and I think the same thing that happened to Killer Nun was the same thing that happened with Driller Killer and Don't Go Into the House. Um, if it had a shock, or Silent Night, Deadly Night, if it had a shocking title, 
it was probably banned in the UK during this period. And I think just, I, I'm assuming that a lot of people who banned The Nun in the UK never actually, or not The Nun, excuse me, Killer Nun. I'm going to guess that they never actually watched Killer Nun because, like, as movies go, it's relatively tame, I guess, unless you're offended by nuns fucking. Are we just jaded? Is that what this is? I mean, nuns fucking is pretty scandalous in the, like, concept of a nun being a bride of Christ, and then you cast a Swedish supermodel <laughs> as a nun, and you say, get nude. Right. That's and kind that's... of, uh... You know, I can see where people... I, I'm not for censorship, but... I, you can I see where they were coming from. Yeah, you could see where they got there. Or at the very least, you could sort of point to, like, the the social mores that they were playing with. That, like, look, if you, you make a movie called Killer Nun, you know what side of the bread your butter is on. You know who's coming to watch this movie. You know what the audience for this is. Um, it's people who want to... It's perverts. It's perverts. You want... <laughs> you're appealing to perverts who want to go out to the movies and watch a nun murder murder a group of senior citizens with jumping jacks. You... Uh, yeah, now, it's not a good movie, but I will say it does have, and I feel like we do this a lot on Rank and Vile, it gives it a lot of points. It has a Waka Chicka Waka soundtrack. Oh man, I love Waka Chicka Waka Oh, soundtrack. it's so good. I've created a Spotify playlist called Waka Chicka Waka based on just like sweet ass funk themes from 70s movies. Like, it goes such a long way for me, and it makes me think of. Um, so Dawson's Creek is on Hulu, right? Yeah. Uh, I tried doing a rewatch of Dawson's Creek a couple years back, and I could not do it because Hulu does not have the rights to the Paula Cole, like the iconic Paula Cole intro theme. Are you kidding me? Yeah, they don't fucking have it. You can watch all of Dawson's Creek, but it's like a stock guitar music intro over the credits. And it's like, that song is so crucial for me watching Dawson's Creek. That is infuriating. It's so upsetting. And in much the same way, I feel like uh, for Jalo films and apparently Italian nunsploitation films, uh, that sweet-ass funk guitar is just fuck, is just absolutely essential for, for me to enjoy a, a movie that is greasy and mean. And it's, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's like a Philly cheesesteak for your brain. So what it has a better funk soundtrack Wolf Guy, Enraged Lycanthrope, or Killer Nun? <laughs> I gotta go with Wolf Guy. Now, the soundtrack for Wolf Guy, colon, Enraged Lycanthrope, I feel like there's more funk in that, in that, like, The Nun, you get the intro bits, uh, there's a chase scene in here where you get the Waka Chicka Waka, and then over the end credits, uh, Wolf Guy, that funk theme is front and center, and in a way that I really appreciate. So, what... It, so it's not as good as Wolf Guy, but is it better than 2018's The Nun? It's way better than The Nun, and I'll tell you why. I remember anything about this movie and was thinking about it on the drive home today. Like, it's uh, it's probably the poster child for nunsploitation. Like, you think of what you imagine a genre called nunsploitation to be it's basically that like it's like how when you think of what a rock and roll like what a heavy metal band sounds like and it's uh either the riff from crazy train or maybe ace of spades by motorhead or maybe iron man 
Um, and you're just like thinking of the, like, the most stock example of that thing. Nunsploitation, you think of Killer Nun. And in that way, I think it's way better than The Nun because it has anything to recommend it. Okay, so Mario Bava's The Evil Eye is number 282. We've mm-hmm. talked about how this movie is Jalo-esque. Mm-hmm. Is it better than one of the first Jolly? Oof. All right, I'm gonna. T- here's what it is. I'm putting Mario Bava's The Evil Eye above that. I think because it was sort of seminal, especially for Jalo, um, and also because Mario Bava is a fucking luminary in the genre, but only by a little bit. Because I feel like uh, Friday Night Test. I have a Tombstone Pizza and a two liter of mug root beer. I could honestly go either way on whether I would watch The Evil Eye or Evil Nun. God, we watch a lot of things with fucking evil in the title. On our list right now, I'm going to look up the word evil. Okay, ten movies. We have ten movies on our list. If with... you think about the 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 numbers, though, that's relatively small. <laughs> By the numbers, I'm actually surprised that it's only ten. Um, so yeah, so Mario Bob's The Evil Eye, I'm putting above that. However, here's my question for you, Quincy. Which would you rather watch? Uh, the Cold Dead Eyes of Brooke Hogan... Or uh, wild nun hijinks. So is so. Here's my question: mm-hmm. Is Brooke Hogan cast in Two Headed Shark Attack for the same pervert audience as Killer Nun? Ooh, is Jesus. the sex appeal the reason why her dead stare is in that movie? Yeah, I think that's. God damn it. I mean, this is a movie that features... I, well, I mean, it is a movie called, you know, I stress again, Two-Headed Shark Attack that literally features a threesome scene in the ocean purely so that two people can get eaten by a shark at once. Um, so I feel like if Brooke Hogan is getting cast in Two-Headed Shark Attack, that would be why. Yeah, just for the bikini. Yeah. At, however... I refuse to put Killer Nun underneath Mandy because <laughs> I I cannot overstate my hatred for the movie Mandy and how bad it is. Killer Nun has zero pretensions. I haven't heard anybody talk this movie up like it's the second coming in a way that I did with Mandy, and that's almost not even Mandy's fault. But I will be goddamned if I put Killer Nun uh, below Mandy. Which has a more cohesive plot, Killer Nun or Mandy? Easily Killer Nun. Killer Nun has a plot. Like, it's... She's a nun, and <laughs> she's gonna kill. Dude, now, it's, it's all right there in the title. Now, Killer Nun is based off of true events. Whoa, no shit? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a true crime movie. Wow, of a nun who lost her shit and murdered people? I mean, it's based off of true events the way the nun is based <laughs> off of true events. Right, or the yeah, the conjuring, which that's my that's actually my favorite thing is like based on true events and then you look at like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is technically billed as being based on true events, and it's like, wait, how do you figure? Like, well, first of all, chainsaws exist. Second of all, Texas, a real place, uh, and massacres have happened. So that is three for three. Yeah. So apparently if you Google it, it's one of those. It says, like, based off of, of real events. But, you know, Beautiful. citation needed. <laughs> oh, oh, obviously, yeah. Uh, heavy fistful of salt. So, yeah, so I feel really good about putting... Uh, I'm sorry, nun. Ryan, you didn't tell me the killer nun throws a man out a window. 
Oh yeah, she she fucking hucks a dude to Okay, she murders him and then hucks him to his death like he just lawn darts onto the pavement and it's <laughs> up from like 10 stories up and it is obviously a dummy that they just fucking just just like just threw it off the balcony. You watch it plummet and just go crunch and it's perfect. It's wonderful. Oh man. So, where do we want to put it on the list then? Above or below Two-Headed Shark Attack? I would say above Two-Headed Shark Attack, but below Mario Bava's The Evil Eye at our new number 283. All right. So, let's do some listener requests. Hell yeah. So, from Tumblr, uh, user Orangiste, I think I'm saying that right, wants us to rank 1999's Ravenous. Oh, fuck. I really like Ravenous. So, what's your favorite part about Ravenous? Is it the soup? Well, it's either the soup or I would say I love the lo- I love the logic of the movie Ravenous, which is that the more people you consume, the more powerful you become, that you like gain their power and it's just like I I love that it's you get you get the guy that played Begbie in Train Spotting hanging out eating guys and you've got David Arquette as a stoner, which, honestly, anytime David Arquette, you know, face of an angel, he pops up in something, I get really excited. Um, I love... Now, here's my, my problem with the movie Ravenous. It is 20% less gay than it needs to be. Yeah, period gay is especially valuable, mm-hmm. and it's really a lost opportunity. <laughs> Representation is so important. You know, cannibals out in the wilderness uh, finding love. And that's with cravats. With cravats. Now, the other thing about Ravenous, I really like the idea that human flesh is addictive. And this movie plays it real well, straight. Uh, where the protagonist, he like sort of holds, you kind of have a Louis Lestat thing between the guy that plays Rumpelstiltskin in uh, that Happily Ever After show. And so he plays the, 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 the main cannibal, and then you have, um, what's his name, uh, Steve, whoever the fuck, uh, playing the protagonist. And he's, like, holding off because he's like, no, I don't want to be a cannibal. And um, Rumpelstiltskin is like, but what if you did, though? And he's like, oh, shit, that's a good point. <laughs> and it's, it's wonderful. And especially, I like it because it, is do- it was doing something in 1999 that none of the other movies in 1999 were doing. Which was just, yeah, what if frontier cannibalism... And, yeah, I can't think of a lot of movies like Ravenous. Ravenous, like, in terms of um, hashtag atmosphere, just fucking outstanding. Um, have you... When was the last time you saw Ravenous? I've never seen Ravenous, so you're oh, actually going to have to put this one on the list. Oh, hell yeah. Um, All right. What's a better cannibal movie? My Friend Dahmer, which is about the making of a cannibal, or Ravenous, which is about a cannibal? <laughs> so the making of the cannibal or the finished product? Hmm. Now, my friend Dahmer was really, really good. In very a way that good. It's very, very good. And I think Ravenous, it's... I feel like it sort of rides on its, like, cult classic status, because I feel like I know a lot of people who love the movie Ravenous, but it's not, you know, on the pantheon, I think, of big horror movies. Like, it's... It's, you do, it's not the first horror movie you think of, even when you think of cannibal movies. Like, I feel like you throw it in there sort of as a bonus, and you're like, oh yeah, shit, also the movie Ravenous, which features David Arquette. Um, I think I would put my friend Dahmer ab- above that. However, I know where my floor is for this. 
and it is Ghoulies. I think uh, Frontier Cannibalism is better than Toilet Demons. They're not just Toilet Demons. <laughs> okay, they're not... Listen, they're, they're so much more. They're not just Toilet <laughs> Demons. I don't, I don't want to pigeonhole them as just being Toilet Demons. They're collegiate. They have college degrees. <laughs> They're deeply offended that I would reduce them to being toilet demons. Um, <laughs> That's that... Ghoulie Esquire, <laughs> sir. I, excuse me. I didn't go to toilet demon school just to have you refer to me as toilet demon. It is Dr. Toilet Demon. Respect. Um, I think also Chopping Mall is probably better. However, I do think Ravenous is better than Night of the Demons. Okay. And I really like Night of the Demons. So, uh, Ravenous is our new number 183. Yeah. Our next request comes from Anonymous, and they want us to talk about the Netflix TV show Creeped Out. I have not seen Creeped Out. Me neither. So, we're going to have to pass on that one. So, Anonymous, please send us another one. Or we will come back later. Uh... Anonymous also writes, and I quote, I wish you'd rank Wishmaster, but only if you do it in a way that either slays me or subjects me to some other manner of ironic punishment for my hubris. Wishmaster. Now, fill, uh, fill our listeners and me in on Wishmaster. Oh shit, wait, Quincy, have you not seen Wishmaster? No, I've not seen Wishmaster. Now here's the fucking thing about Wishmaster. Uh... First of all, it rules. I love this movie very much. Second of all, you know how... All right, so you're familiar with the movie Death House? Yes. Uh, which is basically The Expendables, but for horror, where it's like Kane Hodder and Tony Todd and Robert Englund, and they're all playing goons in the same house together, and they're all goons in the house. And uh, it's sort of... That movie already happened in 1996, and it was called fucking Wishmaster. You've got uh, Kane Hodder as a security guard... You've got Robert Englund as a fancy rich guy. You've got Tony Todd as a doorman. You, it's This is like the program in the 90s to keep 80s horror stars uh, off the streets after school <laughs> and give them something to do. Um, now, Wishmaster, um, the idea behind the movie is that an evil genie who has been trapped in a uh, mystical gem for like, for like millennia or whatever, uh, he pops out and he's evil and this is the most one of the most mean-spirited horror movies i've ever seen and i love it for that that it's like um you've got this demon who uh he's trying to collect enough souls to take over the world and so every time he grants somebody a wish he steals their soul he doesn't have to do what he does but he's a messy bitch who lives for the drama so he makes, he tr like twists your wish against you and, and makes it like sort of, oh no, how did I not see this coming? Or like, um, he'll ask you what you wish for and you'll be like, uh, I wish, or, or, you know, it's like, oh, I wish you would try to go through me. And then he'll like turn you into a glass door and just fucking walk through you. And there's like blood and glass everywhere. It is just fucking outstanding. Uh, it's the guy that plays uh, Wishmaster. He reprises his role in Wishmaster 2, and it's basically the same thing again. Um, Wishmaster is, for me, the gold standard of video store horror movies. That like It technically got a theatrical release. It didn't do that great, but it didn't do that bad. But it's like, I don't know. I There's, there's some kind of magic on this stupid, stupid straight-to-video movie that technically got a, a full studio release. Um, yeah, it's uh, the effects are fun. 
It's fucking absurd. I it's and also I believe it's on Amazon Prime. If you have an, a, a cool hour and a half to kill, it's lovely. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. There's like twenty of these. Well, no, there are I believe four of them. In 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 horror, that's a lot. In horror, that is a lot. Now the problem is that the first two are the only ones you need to watch. Give up after that. Just watch, watch. <laughs> just, don't. just don't do it. Watch Wishmaster one and two because one and two are like proper R rated. Like Wishmaster two, a guy wishes that his lawyer would go fuck himself, and then he does. Like, <laughs> his spine contorts and he fucks himself to death. And it's like, this is absolutely the weird Sunday afternoon. I'm hungover and just watching something that's not going to challenge me too much. Movie. In a way that uh, they're both just passionately R-rated. And then Wishmaster 3 happens, and it's basically like a lost episode of Charmed, and it makes me want to die. Like, it's just sort of, oh no, I'm a mystical demon, and it's extremely bad. Um, but so Wishmaster 1, uh, scrolling up the fucking list. I love the movie Wishmaster, and I'm looking for the floor for it. Now, it grieves me that The Fly is as far down the list as it is, so I think that's going to be my ceiling. Um, I, I think I'm going to push it up the rankings. Also, it's uh, number 138, The Fly. Um, oh, damn it, but I... <sighs> hmm, okay. I think it is definitely better than Bird Box, because I did not care for Bird Box so much. Um, all right, I'm trying to figure out if it's better or worse than the movie It from 2017. Now, just a quick reminder... Mm-hmm. Um, Wishmaster is currently above Venom and the Untamed, that tentacle fuck movie. Ooh, shit. All right. The Untamed is a fucking accomplishment, and I really, really love it. But now, this is the question. It's not isn't it? sloppy uh, <laughs> drama, <laughs> drama genie. <laughs> No, absolutely. Here's what it is. The question... All right, so if we're examining The Untamed, which is a wild art house horror movie about people and and monster fucking and incompatible bodies and um, adolescent uh, romantic angst versus uh, basically what we're asking... What I'm asking right now is which do we want more and which do we rank more highly? The song we have listened to 8,000 times on YouTube, and it's just like, we look for anything else on YouTube. It's like, hey, you want to listen to the fucking the Mortal Kombat theme again? Um, or the wildly experimental movie about monster fucking. I feel like I want to give The Untamed the edge. Over Wishmaster. Right. So The Untamed is number 124. I feel like without even seeing Wishmaster, it's going to be a walk after that because right under the Untamed is Virus. Oof. Yeah, yeah. So I think I'm putting just the Untamed right above it and calling it there. So our new number 125 is Wishmaster. Yeah. God, I love that movie. Guys, if you haven't seen Wishmaster, um, it is a perfect little cheeseburger of a horror movie. Like, it's exactly what you would want out of a horror movie about an evil genie who gives you mean wishes. We have one final request in our Tumblr ask box, so we really need y'all to get onto Tumblr and uh, type in your requests. Hell yeah. It's um, Skullface Bookseller Honda-san. Wait, that's the name of the movie? 
It's a it's a TV show about a bookseller who's a skeleton. <laughs> I think it's on Crunchyroll, but I have not seen it. And I'm guessing by that question, neither have you. <laughs> so, so it's, it's a workplace comedy about where a skeleton. all of the characters are like demons and, and pumpkin heads and stuff. Oh, and shit. The, and the, the clerk is a skeleton. Oh, shit. It's literally just about a bookseller who's a skeleton. Yeah. It's book, what it says on the tin. A bookseller. Have you <laughs> seen this? No, I've seen pictures of it and it's high, It's uh, very heavily memed on my timeline. Holy uh, shit. But I've not actually gotten to see it yet. It's on Crunchyroll, though. Maybe we need to check it out. Well, shit. So, uh, normally we would be like, oh, sorry guys, we haven't seen that. Send it back in. But here's the thing. We're going back and we're fucking... I'm sorry, could you just say the name of the show again? Skullface Bookseller Honda-san. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, we're, we're, we're doing Skullface Bookseller Honda-san at some point. It's like, based off of the author Honda's experience working at a bookstore and so also being a literal skeleton yeah it's about manga perverts and selling books to perverts oh wow so this is just deeply relevant to our interest with like horror perverts and also a literal scary skeleton who is a bookseller and also his co-workers are like goblins and shit yeah so uh okay. tune in folks we'll do <laughs> that one some other time definitely ryan um if listeners want to send uh listener requests how else can they contact us besides our tumblr which well, is aside- rankandvile.tumblr.com well aside from our ask box on rankandvile.tumblr.com uh listeners can send us requests at rankandvilecast at gmail.com uh we should probably also set up a hashtag on twitter and have people request movies using a, a certain hashtag on twitter because i'm reliably informed that that's how metadata works on twitter um, so we could do that. Uh, ideally, it would be rankandvilecast at gmail.com. Um, we are also uh, on Twitter, as many of you probably know, at rankandvilecast uh, at Twitter. Um, we're on Instagram at justrankandvile. We are on Stitcher. We are not on SoundCloud. We are on iTunes. We, uh, I believe, are on Spotify? I. So here's the problem. Mm-hmm. There is a band called Rank and Vile. They have so one song. So when you search them on Spotify, they show up. And not us, goddammit. I'm, f- I'm furious, by the way, that someone would take the name Rankin Vile on, on Spotify. Because we are the only ones who have ever come up with that pun specifically. Yes. It's it's our sole intellectual property. Um, so yeah, so definitely hit us up there. Uh, Quincy, is there anything else? Um... No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, wait, could you say the name of that show one more time? <laughs> is it Skullface Bookseller Honda-san? It's Skullface Bookseller Honda-san. <sighs> Outstanding. All right, that's all I got. Later, folks. Stay spooky.